The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. That is the official name. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad. Sia, I think we'll just roll with some version of the Mayakoba Golf Classic, Mayakoba Championship. Hey, that event in Mayakoba. I mean, that, that intro, that's the 55 minutes or an hour we're going to do on this show. So great show, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> Pack it up. We'll see you next time. Uh, this is a fun one. This is an event that not only does Victor Hovland get to defend for the first time in his career, but stacked field. Seven out of the top 20 players. Uh, generally, uh, it's it's now going to be see uh, the strongest field in tournament history. Okay. Uh, that, that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a really strong field headlined by your new best friend, Rick Victor Hovland, who I assume you're going to like in this tournament. And for the record, yeah. I haven't heard the interview yet, but I'm really genuinely looking forward to hearing it. So um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you can check out uh, my YouTube channel, Rick Rungood. That is where you can find an interview with Victor Hovland. Yeah. So it, it is, it is the first time he's going to defend. Uh, the course itself is pretty unique. See, and I'm going to share my screen here. This is from my website, uh, rickrungood.com. El Chameleon. I think the reason that they're able to get a seemingly better and better uh, field each and every year is because this is a really unique course that generally gets a lot of positive reviews from the players. It's uh, a par 71. They're larger than average greens, but it's like three different styles of course in one seal. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a really nice course, first of all, just, just like you said, but I think it's a really interesting course from a sort of a plan of attack standpoint. I'm curious where where you're coming from, Rick, when it comes to, I mean, obviously anybody who's listened to anything or read anything or who has ever played DFS with respect to this course knows that accuracy is going to be really important here, especially driving accuracy. And that shows up here on, on what we have here on, on right. YouTube. But I'm curious, like what what's what's sort of the next thing, Rick? What's the next thing to grab an edge in terms of whether it's modeling or, or metrics to look at? Where do you place sort of the second best feature here? So I think I would go back to basics, which would be something like approach play, uh, mm. which uh, on, so when, when I think 5,500 square feet, that's generally the average size uh, of, of greens on the PGA tour. When you start getting larger than that ends, it's weird. When you go larger and smaller than that, you start to think about reasons why strokes gain approach would be better. If they're smaller, you want to hit the greens. If they're larger, you want to be closer to the hole because when greens get larger, the rate of three putting also increases with that on the PGA tour. So, uh, I would probably, uh, default to strokes gained approach. And then, 
really birdie or better. I mean, we don't, we probably don't talk about it as enough as we should. And there's some really good examples from last week at the end of the day. See, this is a fantasy point game. You know, mm -hmm. you can talk about the strokes game numbers all you want. Um, it was not Lucas Herbert who led the field in fantasy points last week. It was Danny Lee who finished in a tie for second and he, and he outscored Lucas Herbert pretty significantly. This is still at the end of the day, a fantasy point scoring game. Yeah, I agree. You know what's interesting about the three-putt avoid thing? And I agree with you, especially on these larger green complexes. But we've seen historically here that bad putters have succeeded here. So I don't know how to reconcile that. Like, Because I'll tell you right now, I'm going to have some lineups that they're not going to be full of team no putt. But there's plenty of guys I like here from the top range to, to the 6K range that are, aren't good putters. But I feel like there's a history here where maybe they can succeed. So this is mostly anecdotal. A little bit backed by data, but these are paspalum greens. Uh, we generally see these at coastal courses. Puerto Rico, I believe Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship also has them. And they're generally the places to see it where we don't have the strokes gained metrics. They don't take the lasers to those events. But paspalum is a larger kind of thicker blade of grass. We don't need to get into blade of grass talk right now, but it generally, in my opinion, and usually what you hear from these guys and a little bit backed by data is that it's better for bad putters. It kind of mitigates some of the margins a little bit. So I, 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 I certainly agree with your sentiment here. Yeah. Which is why uh, it's Kyle Stanley week, right, Rick? I mean, they're like, he's gotta be the worst uh, putter on tour darn near close to it and he's sitting there i think at 6200 or 6400 we'll get to that but listen i, I this might be a week where kyle's like I, I, kyle stanley shouldn't be my example here but he is an excellent ball striker he will be yes. accurate off the tee uh his approach play is excellent uh around the green is sketchy and then the putting is even more sketchy so i just i just wonder again he's a bad example perhaps i just wonder if this is a tournament in terms of finding an edge to to try to stack some golfers that you don't normally lean on from a putting standpoint, in spite of the fact that these green complexes are are large. I guess the theory would be, well, if they're piping it on approach, then it doesn't really matter how long the, the large the green complexes are because they're, you know, six to 10 feet away. We can have the Kyle Stanley discussion when we get down to that 6K range, but let's start at the top, the 10K range. And this is a big one. Seven golfers cracking through the $10,000 mark. I could not remember a time where we saw seven, it's usually like five or six, sometimes four, depending on the field, but seven guys led by Justin Thomas, 11,200, our defending champion, Victor Hovland, 10,900, Abraham answers 10, seven. Then the bottom of that range is Tony Finau at 10, six, Terrell Hatton at 10, three, Billy Horschel at 10,100 and Brooks Kepka rounding us out at a flat $10,000. So Sia, when you start to assess this range, who grabs your attention first and foremost? Well, first of all, I just think Brooks Kepka is so interesting because I don't think he's going to be rostered much at all. No. And it's such he's such an unknown, but you could certainly make the argument that he's the class of this field, or at least is, is I mean, maybe not recent form-wise, but certainly from a historical standpoint, he is. Let me, let me, it's a perfect segue into just what we saw last week with Patrick Reed who was like, okay, what is the recent form? But when you hang a 30 to one on him or whatever it was uh, in, and he's a nine time winner in a field like we had last week, do you just consider playing him? You can make the same conversation about Rory McIlroy at summit club. What's the recent form when you start hanging a two in front of his odds? Uh, you know, maybe you should just auto play it. Well, Brooks Kepka, I, I, I'll have to check the number of Caesars, 
was like 28 or 30 to one when I woke up this morning. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is right now, but are, are we starting to get into that class of player that becomes an autoplay? Yes, is the answer. I think he's been bet down to uh, in, in the spots I'm looking at right now uh, at 25 to one. And I think at Caesars, he might be bet down to that range. It's a pretty good number. He is 33 to one at Caesars right now. He is the same odds, Sia. And as much as, as Aaron I love Wise. this guy. As, as Aaron, Aaron Wise. As Aaron Wise. I knew you were going to say that because I love Aaron Wise too, but that's absurd. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it, it depends what your perspective is. From a recent form standpoint, it's not absurd because Aaron Wise has been great. I love Aaron Wise, but this is Brooks Kepka. I mean, it's just such a different tier of player, even an injured Brooks Kepka. I mean, at 33 to one, to me, that's an auto bet. And the, the beauty of that is if you're afraid to play him in DFS, you're just you're just scared to do it. Okay, that's cool. Top 10 or top 20 or, or an outright bet at 33 to one on Brooks Kepka, and, and you'll call it a day if you want. But I think in DFS, He's really interesting because I don't think the ownership's going to be there. And to your point about Patrick Reed or when, you know, Rory bounced back, these guys can turn it on at any moment. We've seen them do it. 6.8% owned at the Shriner, 7% owned at the CJ Cup. We might see something similar here, Sia. So I think you're going to have plenty of leverage on Brooks Kepka. But if it's not the leverage on Brooks Kepka, where would you go next? It would probably be either Victor Hovland or Abraham Answer. Um, I like them both. Obviously, it, there's a reason probably that Answer has good history here, outside of the fact that he's a good course fit. Uh, I don't want to call it a home game, but he, I, I think he is the type of golfer that sort of feeds off the, the home crowd energy, and we kind of see that in his results. I think he's a very solid player who normally, I would say, doesn't have much win equity. But I think in this field, he, you know, the way he's been playing, I mean – Listen, the 14th at the CJ Cup, pretty good. Missed the cut at the Shriners. But prior to that, he was pretty good in the FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, I, I think he can potentially win this tournament. And so it's either him or Victor. Victor's defending champion. Missed the cuts before that. But that, I'm not worried about the missed cuts um, before that. So it, it's those two for me. I'm not going to play Hatton. Um, mm. there's, I, just, I just feel like Hatton, you know, this is, a, this is the type of venue where you could go out of bounds and, and get derailed, and, and Hatton's not the type of guy that I want to play there. I know that's a little narrative-y, but with Hatton, it kind of isn't. Like, that's kind of a thing. Uh, Finau's a little too erratic up here um, compared yeah. to some of these other guys that I like. So it, it's Hovland answer, and then I, I might take a shot at Brooke Kepka, Billy Horschel. I get it. The history is great. I just don't think I can bring myself to do it. Personally. So I lump Horschel and Hatton together a little bit. Their metrics usually, depending on where you're looking, when this all gets aggregated, they've been better on the European tour recently. So like when I, when you look at his strokes, uh, Billy Horschel strokes gain metrics, you don't get his win a couple of weeks ago. When you look at Terrell Hatton, uh, Terrell Hatton's strokes gain metrics, you don't get his second place finish at the Alfred Dunhill. So you have to keep that in mind. Hatton is, uh, to me, not a safe player. He is a boomer bust player. If you're looking for something like that, I think it's interesting. I've been impressed with uh, answer even after the win, especially for how long it took him to get the win. It's It would have been easy for him to just kind of relax for a while but he finished ninth at the bmw championship ninth at the tour championship 14th at summit in his last start uh here on the pga tour i don't mind that at all especially when you start leaning into the um into kind of the ball striking metrics and the course history uh but yeah so obviously like listen i'm, I'm very partial to victor hovland i'll just bet him every single week for the rest of my life but the <laughs> idea is if you go back to the start of last season so a season and then a couple of events for everybody on the pga tour 
only Corey Connors has been a better ball striker than Victor Hovland's been. That that's it. Okay. That's, that's the guy. So really what you're asking for from Victor is to clean this up, right? Don't lose you three and a half strokes around the green and then find a week where you gain three or four strokes putting like he did at summit club. That that's the path. And when you, I don't know about you see it, but when I see a clear path like that, like it's not, Oh, he's got to do these five exact things. It's like, he's got to be better around the greens and he has to get up a decent putter, which he does fairly often. It's interesting though, because that short game is a little scary. I mean, as much as I was making fun of the idea and I'm not making fun of, but like when I mentioned Kyle Stanley, I mean, granted, this is a, this is a smaller sample size. Kyle Stanley's is kind of like career-ish, but it's one of those things where you look at that and you're like, Ooh, like is, is something going on there that just needs fixed and it's, he's not there yet with it. Yeah. I mean, statistically, uh, Hovland in his career, is worse than Stanley is in his career uh, around the green. Much better as a putter. Hovland's about a zero. Stanley loses about a half a stroke per round. Obviously, that's over their career. We can go a little bit more recently and see how that shakes out. Um, They both get closer to zero around the green. Stanley gets worse with the putter. Hovland gets better (laughs) with it. So, yeah, like, listen, I, I get it. But both of those guys do, in their own separate ways, have path to success. Success for Victor Hovland is winning. Success for Kyle Stanley was like top 12, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that the paths are the same on their own kind of different spectrums. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yep. We've spent a lot of time and energy in the 10 K range. We haven't talked about the most expensive golfer. We haven't talked about the favorite. We haven't talked about Justin Thomas. Um, I'm pretty lukewarm. I think it's a fair price. I don't think I'm sprinting to get him in my lineups. I don't think I'm sprinting to bet him, but I, I get it. Like he could win this golf tournament. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, when I say, when I mentioned Kepka as sort of the class of the field or potentially the class of the field, if you just historically last few years, Justin Thomas is obviously in that conversation as well. Uh, I like him just fine. I mean, I, I've seen him spray it off the tee a little too much over the last year, and that that kind of worries me. I mean, lately he's been playing really well, though. I can't really argue with his recent play too much. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I don't think I'm I don't think I'm going to go there. Frankly, it's just the fair. The, listen, he's not exactly peppering the fairways with the golf ball. No, he's never really been a fairway finder, so to speak. But again, if you want to talk about paths to victory, Justin Thomas's path is pretty clear find a putter that that that's it that's that's the path to victory so i like it when a guys have at least clear paths towards the top um okay so that's the ten thousand dollar range i'm just trying to see if we've missed anything or i think we can move on nine thousand dollar range scotty scheffler leads the way then there's a three hundred dollar gap you don't always see that uh to aaron wise who we're certainly gonna have to spend time on patrick reed who finished second last week is 9500 shane lowry matthew wolf will zalatoris and taylor gooch at the bottom of this nine thousand dollar range see two things stand out to me i love gooch so i have no problem with this but surprised to see him more expensive than cameron trigale matt fitzpatrick sergio garcia for example and then also surprising to see matthew wolf $100 more expensive than Will Zalatoris. Uh, those things surprised me as well. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked that Gooch is where he is at 9,000. Uh, there's, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad pricing, but that's, it's just very weird. I mean, I, I would definitely be on Will Zalatoris before I'm on Taylor Gooch or Matthew Wolf, for, for example. Um, Aaron Wise is probably my favorite in this range for yeah, obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you're going to pull it up. <laughs> he's been really, I mean, obviously he's been really, really good lately. 
Um, as we can see here, I mean, the approach numbers are awesome. Off the tee is awesome. Uh, let's see the driving accuracy. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, but it's been really good as well. Yeah. So I have, so this is for this season. So it's a little bit of a smaller sample size, but he's 45th on tour. So he's probably like 20th in this field, mm -hmm. which is just fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it is a little weird to see him in this price range in a field that's, that's pretty talented, but I like him. I mean, I just think we're, we're, we're still, he's still on an upward trajectory and it wouldn't shock me at all. Maybe it's not this tournament, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he wins within the next, you know, three or four months. And that's saying a lot for a guy whose name is Aaron Wise. He was 25th on tour in T to green last year. He has retained that and he has been a positive putter this season. And he's been a positive putter in four out of his last six. And that is, that's the key to unlocking success. It is what Keegan Bradley has looked for for a long time. It is what Sergio Garcia has looked for for a long time. It, there's a bunch of these guys. And if they ever fix it, if they ever make it click, they're super, super dangerous. And that's what you're seeing with Aaron Wise right now with a T5, a T8 in his last two starts. And oh, by the way, almost ran down Victor Hovland at this event last year. Finished second, almost stole this away. And he has two top tens in his last three trips to Mayakoba. I mean, all signs point towards Aaron Wise. All signs. And by the way, all ownership percentage is probably going to go that direction too. So it's, it's really interesting just from a DFS standpoint. I, I don't, I, I'm trying to predict just offhand what I think his ownership percentage might be. I mean, it's probably going to be in that like 20% range is, is my guess, uh, which isn't like grossly high, but it's still pretty high. Um, I'm still going to be willing to play him in a few lineups regardless. And I think if you're, if you're doing cash in, in daily fantasy, I think he certainly makes sense. Uh, the the first lineup and only lineup I've built so far was actually it's actually started with Answer and Aaron Wise, which was actually pretty expensive and it, and it required me to go down into the six K range uh, mm. more than once. So, but I didn't mind it because I like some guys in the six K range. But yeah, I like Aaron Wise. In terms of the, the rest of the guys in this field, I don't think I can trust Matthew Wolf on this particular course. So it's a no for me there. Yeah, that worries me. Right, being being a little bit uh, inaccurate and. Uh, like let's I'm rooting for Matthew Wolf. I hope he figures this out once he kind of gets, I I'll be happy to back him with my dollars, but I still see a golfer who's struggling off the tee, losing a stroke on a pro, excuse me, a stroke off the tee at Shriners where he finished second, the 6.9 strokes. He gained putting the best of his career. He gained nearly 10 strokes uh, combined in the short game or closer to nine. I, I mean, that's just not, sustainable so i'm still taking a much more cautious approach on on wolf and i'll kind of let others um you know take the reins there but this is a 9k range that outside of wise i'm not super excited about i like gooch but again that's a steep price i'd prefer zalatoris over wolf I don't know what I can do with Patrick Reed with just this one-off runner-up finish where we don't have the strokes gain metrics from it. I, I I don't know what else to do here. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think the only thing to to do here is to wait and see if you have access to it, uh, which obviously, Rick, your site does it, but other places do as well in terms of ownership percentages. If you see a 9K guy that you kind of like, but who happens to be, you know, 7% owned or 8% owned, it might be a good time to take a shot at that guy in, in a GPP. I, I'm trying to think of a guy who might fit that. Patrick Reed, honestly, as good as he was last week, I think his ownership will probably remain. Shane Lowry is the perfect example. People tend to not jump on Shane Lowry, even though he's pretty solid. Um, it's not somebody I'm playing, but if the ownership percentage is low enough, I, I certainly wouldn't mind going to him. Yeah, Patrick Reed will probably be 
I, I I think he'll be pretty low owned. I mean, he's coming off he's coming he's coming off a runner up finish, but uh, with Aaron Wise there, who's going to suck up a lot of the oxygen in this range. Um, I just yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if you're going to get two twenty. 20% guys in this range. And full disclosure on Lowry, th there will be a good reason if his ownership is low. It's because he's driving accuracy is not his strong suit. So just something to look out for there if you're trying to be contrarian. We're going to go down to the 8K range. Things get very interesting in the eights and the sevens and then the sixes are pretty cool as well. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. I do my best to live a healthy lifestyle. I try to get out there, work out, break a sweat when possible. I'm not necessarily a fitness or a, a wellness freak, but I'm just trying to be a little bit healthier every single day, which is where Sun Warrior comes into play for me. It is a plant-based, eco-friendly, performance-boosting, all things brand that I want to talk about. And it's their active nutrition line that is something that I've been messing around with over the course of the past couple of months. And it's really working out for me because with protein, creatine, pre-workout, and hydration, these products are designed to optimize your performance. And I'm always up for optimizing any aspect of my life, even boosting my own energy reserves or being more hydrated after a long day in the gym or on the golf course. It really does turbocharge my recovery. It's something that I really take seriously and it's real nutrition for real life. So go check out sunwarrior.com and use code first. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. This $8,000 range, Sia, by default, I, I think is kind of valuable because we just discussed, hey, maybe Gooch should not be more expensive than Tringale, Fitzpatrick, Garcia. Maybe those guys should have been up in the 9K range. So is there a little bit of built-in value here that we can find? Yeah, I mean, I think the guys you mentioned are, are, are included in the value. The guy I like the most is Sergio. I, I just, again, the ball striking is going to be there for Sergio. And if you if you are working with the argument that bad putters can potentially do well here, then I think Sergio is probably your guy at 8,700. I just think there's tremendous value there. And by the way, yeah, we, we see it on the screen. <laughs> He's been it's, pretty good. It's not bad at all lately. <laughs> His last five measured events with the flat stick, uh, plus one, plus five, zero, minus one, basically zero. If that is a, a every five event stretch for Sergio Garcia, he's going to be contending a lot. And this doesn't even include, uh, obviously anything Ryder cup related, uh, which he was a, a pretty darn good, right? I mean, he was the second best player on the, on the European team besides Sean Rahm, I, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Sergio is, is a fantastic play here. Uh, a couple other guys I like, you know, normally I would say Keegan Bradley. I do think he's a pretty good course fit. I just feel like the upside with Keegan Bradley is has really been capped as of late. And, and I don't know that I'm willing to play. Listen, seventh at the Zozo, though, is pretty impressive. So if he's if Keegan Bradley is going to top 10 at 8,300, that, that's that's going to pay off its price for sure. I, I'm just not sure I can get there. Russell Henley is, is the most interesting one to me because I do think he's a pretty good course fit, if not a great course fit. The yeah. problem is 
his finishing positions here the last two years or the last three years really haven't been impressive, but it's it's been two missed cuts over the last two. And Rick, I, I wonder how you're reconciling sort of the, the course history here with what I believe to be a pretty good course fit in Russell Henley. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that too. Listen, um, <laughs> Victor Hovland missed two cuts before he won this golf tournament, right? It's kind of a weird, it, it's, it's a very, very unique golf course. I much prefer course fit over course history, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, even, I mean the bottom of this, and I like Russell Henley this week, but the bottom of this $8,000 range, you could go right back to Mito. Who's a great ball striker finished 30th mm -hmm. in Bermuda. And I think he was now he might've been on the right side of the draw. I think he was on the right side of the draw. Um, I'd go back to Alex Norin. See ya. So there's this situation where everybody played Norin at, I want to say it was the CJ cup. And that was an event in which he lost. Uh, yes, it was the CJ cup where he lost four strokes on approach, which is something he hasn't done in like two years. That's probably not going to happen again. And everyone just jumped ship and he finished 18th at the Zozo, which now means his last five starts worldwide. This includes the Olympics are 16th T4 T9 the 59th at, Zo at CJ, which we talked about, and then the 18th. That's a pretty, still pretty great five-week stretch, and I don't think anybody's going to touch him. Yeah, and in spite of the fact that, you know, that looking at what we're looking at right now on YouTube, it, uh, I, I, it's not super impressive, but if you just look at his metrics, you know, they're pretty good overall. I mean, I, you know, he's not, he's not, He's not a fairway finder like some of these guys are, but he's about middle of the road in this field, which which honestly isn't great. But an elite putter, uh, fairly elite with the short game. I, I don't mind him. Um, he's the he's the type of guy that doesn't usually grade out super well in the models. I've almost referred to him as like the poor man's Cam Smith. Cam Smith always just finds his way, especially in bigger tournaments in in the top five somewhere somehow. But in models, he doesn't typically grade out very well. And, and Norn is one of those guys too. So I don't mind Norn at all. I think Norn's a fine play. I just I just know that in just with modeling and stuff, he's not going to jump out for sure. And even in his popular week, he was 9.9% owned. He mostly lives in that four to 5% range. The guy that I think we could make an argument for and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here. Sia is, is Matt Fitzpatrick at 8,800 being arguably the most mispriced guy we've seen to this point. He was the favorite last week, finished T30. Listen, it was a, a nasty little week in Bermuda, finished T30 in a full field event. Week before that, he won on the European tour. He hits a ton of fairways. Why, why is Matt Fitzpatrick not more expensive than $8,800? It's a good question. I, I don't know. Maybe it comes down to just perceived owner, uh, expected ownership. I mean, people tend to not want to roster Matt Fitzpatrick. I don't know if that goes into the, to the pricing calculations or not, but you're right. He should listen. He shouldn't be below Matthew Wolf and he shouldn't be below Taylor Gooch and maybe Shane Lowry as well. I mean, you can make an argument that he should be at least right up there with Patrick Reed and Aaron Wise. So I get it. I think I don't know about his upside. I know he just won a couple of weeks ago on the European tour. I mean, that's obviously a, a different tour with different players. I think he's fine. I, I just. I think the upside is kind of limited with Matthew Fitz, or is it Matt? He wants to go by Matt now, right? Matt he wants to go by Matt now. Um, he is the same odds to win as I'm going to try to do this off the top here as Shane Lowry, who is $500, uh, $500 more expensive. He mm -hmm. is the same odds as Cameron Tringale, who's $100 more expensive. He's the same odds as Will Zalatoris, who's 
$300 more expensive. Taylor wow. Gooch, he's shorter than Taylor Gooch. He's shorter than Matthew Wolf. Um, yeah, I just, there, there's something just a little bit off about it. Not huge, but it just stinks a little bit. It's a misprice, but it's not egregious. I mean, I, I right. when we usually talk about misprices, we're like, oh man, this guy, this is like 800, maybe a thousand off. In, in Fitzpatrick's case, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a misprice, but uh, you know, it's not, for me, it's not anything to be like, oh, that's tremendous value there. I don't know if Jacob has the drop ready, so I'll just do it myself. What are we doing with Ricky Fowler? <laughs> Ricky Fowler. Thank you. I knew we could count on him. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I haven't really been on the Ricky Fowler train. I mean, his history here isn't bad outside of the miscut the last time out. Game's kind of back in order, right? But I don't think I can get there, especially with all the hazards. I, that, that worries me with Ricky Fowler. I really, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm so torn on Ricky. What I, I, I loved what I saw at CJ cup and I loved what I saw the Friday that he missed the cut at Shriner. So it was like a five event a five round stretch. Zozo, you could make a lot of arguments one way or another, the flight straight from Vegas to Tokyo and he finishes T44 and we don't have the strokes gate metrics. I guess my problem is that I don't know where he stands but odds makers and fantasy sites have already kind of reestablished him at this price that i think is i think it's too much i i just yeah. i just think there is so much volatility built into ricky ricky fowler that th this is 8600 is a i think it's a tough ask it's a tough ask. I, I think the argument for it would be you see upside at the, at the CJ Cup. You see upside with just so, some good course history, you know, back in 2018, a second place finish. Guys who have just sort of been off. I mean, he's he's been okay lately, but guys who generally have been off, I always kind of look for, is there a venue that they're arriving to that like they just have good course history and they could recapture some of the magic? That's not this venue. He's got course history that's better than Mayakoba, but, you know, he, he's done okay here. I, I just... I think the upside is kind of limited. I would rather go with some of the, like, I don't know. I, I probably would rather go with Matt Fitzpatrick, maybe even Sergio Garcia. Um, as we go down the board, I'd probably rather go Henley and Mito above him as well. Yeah, and and I'm with you. He's got a 16th in, in 2019 and a runner-up in 2018. He was also a different player then. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not necessarily the same player, which scares me. 7,000 dollar range uh i'm not going to read all these names because this is where it starts to get huge but justin rose joaquin neiman charlie hoffman seamus power near the top it goes all the way down to adam long brendan Steele, joel damon scott stallings who had himself a pretty good week last week so uh this is where we start to find some value this is where we start to have guys who played really well last week here see ya. how do we start plucking names out of this range and inserting them into our lineups well it's a good question. This range is massive, but I, I like Seamus Power because why wouldn't I like Seamus Power uh, outside right. of his course history here, which which isn't great. But I mean, this is a different. You, you just we just talked about it with Ricky Fowler. This is a different Seamus Power, obviously. Correct. This is like a really uh, not elite golfer, but, but certainly approaching that status. So I like Seamus quite a bit uh, as we go down the board. Emiliano Grillo, I'm a sucker for him, but he's a great ball striker, and again, I know he can't putt generally. But I'm willing to forgive that a little bit at this venue. And it's one of those things where I don't know I'm going to be right with my theory here or the theory, the, some people's working theory that, you know, if you're a bad putter, you can have success here. We know there's historical data that backs that up. So I think 
Grillo is going to be on my board for sure. Let me jump in on 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 Emiliano Grillo here. So, mm-hmm. uh, what I've done on on RickRunGood.com, and this is we we got to be a little bit careful with this, but I've just I've taken everybody in this field last. You know, I'm, I'm back to 2010, so this is for the most part almost all these guys full careers, and I just looked up results on Paz Palum. Uh, now. A lot of these rounds are unmeasured in terms of like strokes gain putting. But if you look at poor, uh, pure, just like strokes gain total rounds, Emiliano Grillo has never lost in an, ev- in an event on Paz Palum in, in total. So that means 10, 10 straight events. His worst finish is a T41 at Mayakoba. Uh, this also includes Puerto Rico. It also includes Punta Cana and it includes uh, Kiowa has uh, Seashore Paz Palum Green. So that's the only, the only uh, put, strokes game putting event that we have measured. He gained that week. So this is more than a narrative for, for Emiliano. This is data driven. He's very good on this surface. Somehow he gets it done. Interesting, by the way, to see Ricky Fowler, of course, Hovland and Scotty Scheffler on that list too, because I don't think Scotty's going to be a super popular guy at this particular venue, but I think that's a, it might be, it might end up being an interesting semi-contrarian play with plenty of upside. So, um, Grio, Grio, I like, as we go down the board, I, I think I'm willing to go right back to Russell Knox. I mean, speaking of great course fit and good course history. And and yeah. by the way, Grio has great course history here as well. Grio and Knox are are guys that sort of dominate this course yeah. relative to their price. Yeah, here, here's Knox right below Grillo on the on the Paz Palum uh conversation, but all of his Paz Palum rounds are are at my are at Mayakoba. So he has uh Russell Knox, that is, has never missed a cut in seven trips. His worst finish is a 33rd. He has three top 10 finishes. He was he is one of the first, so there's a another guy coming up where Knox was very popular last week. And I think people are going to just move on. Uh, I think you should wait one more week because I think this is another, another good week for Knox. There's another one of those guys coming up as well, but yeah, this is starting to, um, there's a lot of guys here in the $7,000 range that I think are, uh, really viable. Now you get some guys like Taylor Pendrith who didn't have himself a good Sunday. We start to get to the bottom of this range. Is there any, I have one more guy down here that I could pluck out Sia, but is there anybody else before I do that? Yeah, there's two guys. Uh, One I've been playing a lot lately and one that I have not, but I think A, he's a great course fit. B, he has great course history. And C, not a lot of people will be on him because he just hasn't been good lately. And that's Brendan Todd. I think Brendan Todd, listen, he hasn't been good. Let me just put that out there, but he's a great course fit here. And he's the last two efforts here, eighth and first. So, I mean, there's something to be said for a 7,100 golfer that has that course history and that type of course fit. And I'm sure we'll talk about him as you bring up the stats. I'll just mention the last guy. Um, Actually, I think Brandon Steele and Henrik Norlander are both viable here. I was, I think Brandon Steele is a guy that, that was overlooked last week, second place finish. And uh, I think he can do it again here, at least, at least be in the conversation, the top 20 conversation potentially. Yeah. Todd won this event back in 19, which is the year he went back to back. He went Bermuda, then he won at Mayakoba, then he almost won the RSM his next time out. It was like a three tournament stretch in which he sold his soul to the devil. Uh, The (laughs) other guy that I think is somewhat interesting is Adam Long and prepare yourself for this because uh, it's kind of wild. So this is Adam Long and this is his last 25 events on the PGA Tour. 17 have missed cuts. The other eight are top 30s. 
So he has no finishes between like 31 and 75, just none. He either misses the cut or he finishes in the top 30. He's coming off a T25 at the Zozo Championship, and his two trips to Mayakoba are a second-place finish and a third-place finish. So um, if there was ever a time, I think, to buy on a very, very, very volatile golfer, this might be it. I don't hate that argument. I will say this. If I am going to go in on a volatile golfer, it might be Joel Damon, though. And, it, and, and I'm not saying because he measures out better or anything, but his course history is also very good. And he's sort of like he's been bad. But then the last couple of tournaments, he's sort of rebounded and been good. And we know he's a score. I mean, speaking, speaking of fantasy points, DraftKings points, Joel Damon is one of those guys that can string a ton of birdies together and really make it for your lineup. So at 7,000, I think there's some value there. He won on Paz Palom as well. That Punta Cana event they won in March, uh, Paz Palom greens. Interesting. Okay. I can get and, behind that. And he, and he hits fairways. For the most part, he hits fairways. He, he grades out really well in this field in terms of hitting fairways, driving accuracy. $6,000 range. This is where it is a free-for-all, baby. Here we go. Charles Howe third, Danny Lee. Tom Hoagie amongst the guys at $6,900 all the way down to, let's see who is at the mid range. Oh, Willie Max playing, Martin Trainer, Kevin Tway, Jonas Blixt is 6,000, and Bill Haas amongst the, the flat min-priced golfers as well. What do you see out of this $6,000 range, Sia? I see a lot of really good names for one. I mean, these are these are not names to sneeze at. And that's why I think this week I'm going to be willing to play a lot more 6K golfers than I normally would, would play. The ones that come to mind, um, I have a few circled here. <laughs> I'll start with Kyle Stanley because he's like sort of at the bottom. We already talked about Kyle Stanley. We, we can talk about him more if you want, but I'll just kind of skip over him. We know he's an incredible ball striker. He just has to get the putting in order. Um, he's actually been okay lately, just in general. Um, I don't know if I'm willing to go back to Doug Gim, but I do think it could be – if there was a time to take a shot at Doug Gim, I think this might be the tournament to do it. Uh, Guido Migliozzi at 6,900, that yeah. seems like maybe a maybe a slight misprice with him. Um, and I'll just mention a couple other guys. I'm going to just pass right over Shez Reeby, although I think he's a good course fit. Ryan Moore and Chris Kirk are very intriguing to me. I think Chris Kirk and Ryan Moore, both at 6,700, carry some value and, and definitely some more cut equity than a lot of these guys in the 6K range. Okay, more and um, who was the last one? Sorry, Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk. Okay, got mm -hmm. it. Um, I'm with you on Guido. I I think that he is one of these golfers, and I mentioned this. I might have mentioned this about a couple guys last week. I'm not sure we know what he is yet, uh, and and I think we're gonna find out. I think there's I only have like 16 measured rounds on him. I believe in the database, which is obviously a very small sample size, uh, and some of them are very very good. And and we're just going to learn. So I'm excited to learn to learn what Guido is. The two guys that I have circled here, uh, one, Brian Gay, who uh, mm, everyone yeah. will be off, right? Like like last week was was Brian Gay week. What what's the point in playing him again here? I assume. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, at 6200, that that's hard to resist. Actually, his course history here is like almost as good as it. I know in Bermuda, he went third and then first he's played here 10 times. He has, let's see. Um, never finished. Ne he's never missed a cut. He has one, two, three, four, five top 25s. And he's won here as well. 2008. 
So like, okay, let's run Brian Gay back for one more week. And he's only $6,200. That opens up a lot of opportunities. And then to kind of close the loop on something we were talking about before about this at its core, obviously. And what I always forget is that this is a fantasy point game. Uh, Sam Ryder has been a unbelievable fantasy point scorer. So here are his last eight starts. He's gained at least 20 fantasy points on the field, meaning you take whatever the average fantasy points are for the week. If your golfer scores more than that, they gained. If they score less than that, they lost. Same thing as strokes gained. He's gained at least 20 fantasy points on the field in six of his last eight starts. Um, he's just a huge birdie maker. Birdie streaks, eagles. Um, he just he just does it, man. That That's tough to find for 6,500. Let me also just expound a little bit on and, and I agree with you that Sam Ryder is really interesting uh for that very reason because again we do need to remember that you know as as good as strokes gain metrics are we would we lean on them DK points are are really like kind of the ambassador of, of like this whole thing so um Chris Kirk though he's made six cuts in a row uh his weakness of course is he's he's short off the tee but that's not a big deal at this tournament he's he's accurate he hits fairways he's been pretty good on approach and he can be bad with the putter and good with the putter, which is kind of what we're looking for. We're looking for that volatility where he can pop. So again, six cuts in a row. He's he's made at least three cuts in a row from what I'm looking at here at Mayakoba. He seems like a guy that's that probably should be like 7,300 and, and isn't for some reason. Yeah, you're right. And even looking at his kind of historic salaries, he's mostly in the mid sevens. Um, he's returned at least 10 times value in three of his last four, 17 times value at summit club CJ cup. So obviously that was a high scoring event, but you get the idea. Yeah, this is, um, this is an interesting little, how much is he this week? $6,700. Yeah. He's generally $800 more expensive than that. Right. Hmm. Anybody else in this $6,000 range that we should be addressing before, before we get out of here? Well, uh, there's a couple guys that come to mind. Uh, you know, Hank Leviota's in this field, but I'm not going to suggest him. I just feel like every show I have to say his name at least once, whether he's in the field or not. But the, the guy, if you're, if you're really trying to throw a dart here at 6,500, a guy that's not going to have any ownership, J.J. Spahn's been pretty good lately. Um, he was seventh last week, which is telling you something. He's made three cuts in a row. The last five at, at Mayakoba, he's made the cut. Now, he hasn't, well... He hasn't had super impressive finishes, but he did have a third in 2018, a 14th in 2017. So that's a guy that I think if you're trying to, you know, break a GPP tournament, Spawn might be your your go-to guy there. Yeah, I mean, uh, these are these are fine results. So last five, or I guess this is probably every trip for him to to Mayakoba, 65th, uh, 80th. He did he miss the cut? You, uh, no, I think just a bunch of people made it on the on the line. Yeah, that would have been when they used to be 70 in ties, mm -hmm. and then yeah. it would have been a big cut. Um, okay, then T3, T14, T28. So he's had good uh, good, uh, good weeks here before, and as you mentioned, seventh last week in Bermuda, three cuts in a row. You could definitely do a lot worse than J.J. Spawn. He had a T2 on the Corn Ferry at the Albertsons Boise Open in August. So he's playing good golf right now. Yeah. I like that. Okay. I think we're done with the cheat sheet. Uh, in terms of roster construction, you said you built a lineup that started answer Aaron wise, and mm -hmm. then it got more difficult from there. Did it become 
too difficult or do you think that getting kind of a one uh, a 10k and a high 9k golfer as your first two golfers in is if that is viable i guess it depends on your perspective i, I don't mind playing 6k guys in this tournament i think there's more 6k guys in this tournament that have cut equity than most tournaments so again golf is such a week to week it's so volatile i don't mind this week i don't mind playing like a chris kirk for example and maybe again i don't want to go back to kyle stanley but there's there's plenty of guys in that range that i just don't guido migliosi doug gim um even if you if you like chez Reeve, like there's guys that i think i can lean on what ends up happening is I took a 10K and a 9K guy, and it just didn't leave me that much money. But I, there was, I think it was, I, I threw in an 8K guy and a 7K guy. So, of course, I'm going to be left with two 6K guys. But again, right. I, I'm okay doing it that way. I think if you're trying to roster like a Hovland, for example, with another you know 9K guy or, or high 8K guy, you're going to have to start dipping pretty low at some point. And, and so I think this, if you were going to play the 6K range in this tournament, I think this is the tournament to do it. Oh, okay. I like the way that sounds because there's I've got my eyes on that 6K range. I'll start building lineups here shortly. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, it's Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. Also, uh, lots of fantasy football content. So if you are into that type of thing, which Sia, I imagine a lot of people are into fantasy football, yeah. uh, you are pumping that content as well. So, yeah, I'm on the Fantasy Football Today uh, DFS pod, which we do Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks for bringing it up. We actually are coming off a really good week, which we're no stranger to. But um, Tuesday, we have sort of a recap show. where We kind of try to teach the listener, you know, what we did right, what we did wrong. And then we preview the week eight or the next week's slate, um, which in this case will be week nine, I believe. And uh, it's it's a great show, Tuesday and Thursday. So definitely check it out. Uh, download it. Write a review. All that stuff. All right. And you are also also can be found on the early edge as well, giving out some Monday night football. Is that today's Monday? You're on tonight. That's right. At 715, you'll find me on the early edge with uh, Coachman, Alan Bell, um, Prop Stars, all, all these guys. And by the oh. way, I do. Go ahead. Okay, so speaking of these props, not to derail this, but I, uh, for, okay, I, I'm a, I'm like a moderate football guy. I got my Eagles shirt on after they put up like 45 points or whatever. But you are like the first touchdown king. I understand. I've called on the early edge. I've called uh, first touchdown uh, uh, in week one, and I believe week three. It was Tyson Williams in week one, and week three it was Donald Parham, the backup tight end for the Los Angeles Chargers, and that was a nice 35 to one ticket for some and 40 to one ticket for. Others and a lot of people took my advice there for better or for worse. And in that case, it was it was for better. I definitely knew those those guys existed uh, on NFL <laughs> rosters. <laughs> I got to brush up on my backup tight ends. All right. Sia is uh, not only pumping content across the board, but he's giving out winners at Sia Najad on Twitter. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as 
as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.